0: You're going to listen to an exciting episode in this podcast. And this is your host Khulud al-Husni from Al-Batina region, Sultanate of Oman. Welcome to my podcast where I chat about books I have read recently or not so recently that I loved or liked or simply feel like talking about. Today is 12th of May 2021, which happens to be the last day of Ramadan here in Oman. I'm quite sure that a lot of you know what Ramadan is, but in case you don't know, Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar. It is the Islamic month of fasting, in which participating Muslims refrain from or stop eating, drinking from dawn until sunset. It is basically a time for Muslims to fast for the sake of Allah and to offer more prayer than usual. Before I get into this episode's topic, I would like to make a little bit of dua or prayer to all of you beautiful people who've been struggling somehow over the past couple of days, weeks, or even months. I know how hard these two years have been for almost everyone out there, and I know how brutal the world seems nowadays. May Allah give us all peace of mind and peace of heart Pleasing us to see light and happiness after these gloomy days. May he help all of those in need, and help our brothers and sisters in Palestine, who's been struggling for years now, and who's seen a lot of unjust, unethical, and completely brutal attacks over the past couple of days. And now let's just get into the real business here, forget a little bit about the real world and dive into something fantastical, magical, childlike, fun, and hopefully interesting for all of you. So yeah, stay tuned. I don't know about you, dear listeners, but I have been struggling with reading a lot recently. With everything that is going around the world, it's just hard to settle down, pick up a book, and read it. I have gone through many reading slums over the past couple of months, and reading somehow felt like it's sure that I need to get it out of the way, if you know what I mean. And luckily... I made the decision to pick up books recently that I have read before and have really enjoyed so that I get back to the reading mode, and guess what? I nailed it! Today's chat is going to be about one of my favorite books of all times, if you like, which is The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Now, I can't talk nonstop about this book, but in today's episode, my dear listener, I am going to focus on the diversity of this masterpiece in terms of themes slash topics, and how Gaiman has crafted such a well story that is so beloved, intriguing, and thrilling, making it suitable to be read by different age groups. Mm -hmm. Let's kick off this episode with a little bit chat about the author Neil Gaiman and his work of fiction The Graveyard Book. Our amazing most definitely worldwide known author Neil Gaiman is a British author. He was born in November 10th 1960 and he is the number one New York Times bestselling author of more than 20 books including Norse Mythology, Neverwhere and The Graveyard Book. Gaiman's stories are popular among children, adults, and those of different cultures, as he himself is an avid supporter of human rights and a firm believer in writing for unintended audiences. Now, coming to talk about the Graveyard Book, it was published in Britain and America in 2008, and it has won many awards over the years. It is acknowledged, more accurately known as a children book, which has been illustrated, and there is a graphic novel that was published in 2008. I hear that the art is pretty spooky So if you're a chicken, I wouldn't really recommend the graphic novel unless you want to give it a go yourself and see how you feel about it Personally, I haven't read the graphic novel yet However, I have seen it around and let me tell you it looks amazing beautiful and intriguing for me Alright, now I'm not going to give you too many details about the summary of this novel as I don't want to spoiler those of you who haven't picked it up yet, but let me just tell you this. If you have not read the book yet, please pick it up as soon as possible because oh my god this book is so good I highly recommend it to everyone out there and I am already over the moon excited to chat about it because it's that good in my opinion. So, The Graveyard Book is a fantasy novel that follows Nobody Owens, nicknamed Bod, a toodler whose family is brutally murdered by a sinister figure at the onset of the novel. We follow the child's journey ever since he is welcomed by the ghostly inhabitants of the nearby graveyard and reared by a mysterious walker, presumably a vampire, whom we come to learn as Silas, Bod's guardian and an important figure in the story. And we move on to see over the course of the novel how Bud goes through various experiences that educate him about life and how he subsequently learns the necessary survival skills of his supernatural and real worlds to defeat his enemies and grow into an independent child, an independent young man, seriously. And we see how Bud changes how he makes changes in those people around him, whether the dead, whether the real ones, whether the ghosts, whether the other inhabitants from vampires and witches... In the last few chapters of the novel, Bot encounters Jack, his family's murder, and we see how he avenges their deaths. And now, if you are thinking about the similarities in terms of the name of this book and Rudyard Kipling's novel, The Jungle Book, let me assure you, you are not the only one who is mixing the two of them. The names are so similar, and maybe the events included. In fact, Gaiman has made it clear in different occasions that this book, The Graveyard Book, is inspired by Kebling's story in The Jungle Book, even though its original inspiration came to life when Gaiman saw his son riding the tricycle or his tricycle near the family's home in England. The two novels share similar themes and concerns, like the questions of identity and what it means to be human. Mowgli embodying the two stories live in exceptional environments. One in the jungle among those animals whom he considers as family and home, while the latter is among those ghosts whom he considers as family and home too. Needless to say that the two characters are human beings, real humans who have been raised by either the dead or the animals. Amazingly, though, both characters struggle a lot in defining themselves, especially that everyone around them seems different, seems awkward, but similar somehow. They see that everyone can relate to each other except them, so they try to fit in a place where everyone looks, behaves, and talks differently. However, they are blessed with guardians by Jira and Silas who stand up for them teach them, guide them, draw smiles on their faces, make them feel less awkward among the rest in the community. Now, if you ask me what is the extra layer that Gaiman's added in this novel in comparison to the Jungle Book, I would definitely point out to the introspection of the story Gaiman crafted, which basically means the thoughtful consideration and compromise for more characteristics of both than Mowgli. So, for example, we as readers see that Bod is a character as a kid. He is inquisitive, he is curious, he is active when it comes to the adventures he himself instigates. He never stops asking questions. He acts just like a kid of his age, which makes him more real compared to Mowgli. Mowgli somehow grows dramatically throughout Kibling's novel, that one might think that he is an adult sometimes. Besides, Bud never expects to submit blindly to the authority of the others. For example, when Bud is told not to do something, like not to go outside the graveyard because it's very dangerous, he gradually sneaks and starts exploring, and he even makes friends with a living girl. When Bud is asked not to go near the grave of the witch, he does exactly the opposite. We see how he becomes a dear friend to the witch. In fact, anyone who has read the novel will notice that people's assumptions about the witch doesn't really mean that she is the worst, the most devilish character ever. Bud comes to learn that he sees that and whenever he meets her he understand that there's something different about her amazingly they become good friends afterwards they support uh, support each other and over the course of the novel one can just root for both of them. Therefore, what I'm trying to say here is that Gaiman's novel seems more vivid and real. Maybe because Gaiman's original inspiration came from the valid experience of his own son. Now dear listeners, let me take you into a wild ride exploring the various themes and topics the graveyard book has, discussing simultaneously how Gaiman demonstrates them in ways that fit different age groups. First and foremost, we cannot talk about the graveyard book without mentioning the ideas of home, belonging, community, and growing up. All of those themes or ideas we are exposed to early on in this novel. In fact, the first scenes of the graveyard book take place in the family home, Bod's real home. We as readers may wonder about the exact location as it is not revealed until the end of the novel. If we come to elaborate the symbolic significance of home, generally speaking, we can go on non because it means different things to different people. According to different scholars working in children's fiction, though, Home is considered to be a place where a child ideally grows up under the loving care and supervision of parents. So it is a place that brings comfort where the fundamental necessities locate and one can just see themselves being the real selves in that place, feeling secure, wanted and needed. And this comes... For sure from the idea that we as human beings need more than anything else, this sense of unity, love, and such feelings. Now, if we come to elaborate the idea of home in this novel, we can see that at the beginning of the story, Bod's family home is violated by a murder which represents an example of an untenable home where the toddler here is helpless. He cannot defend himself, he cannot defend his home, nor do anything to protect his home. Hence, it becomes a point of departure for Bud, who constructs a new home later on. When Bud leaves and reaches the graveyard, he meets the Owens, who become his parents. He replaces the family home he once had, to something that has the same characteristics of anyone's home so the graveyard becomes a physical and emotional nurturing space which offers safety for bud bud as a living is able to survive death homelessness misery and danger because he finds a new home where he can belong where he can live where he can grow up without feeling threatened by the possibility of being kicked out or murdered. In fact, the graveyard becomes a place where he is surrounded by people whom he could call friends, like friends, family, more than anything, community. And again, I think that the author has succeeded in showing us that while one may go through a lot of pain, hardship, grief, and danger, one can only survive. One can find other options. In fact, he can create ones. And he shouldn't only think that he just encounter closed doors or that people won't bother helping him because in real life, There's this mixture of all sorts of people and behavior. Some might hate you, while some might shelter you with even an umbrella or small things. There isn't full badness, nor is there full goodness. We live in a world where everything is somewhere in between. Therefore, what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that Bod has found a way out. He has found a place to call home, even if it is suffused with supernatural beings. He becomes able to pass his childhood and early teenage years in the graveyard before leaving to find the identity of his own. We can't see him sleeping, eating, breathing, like playing and learning, chatting and doing all of those human stuff in this home he's made, which just emphasizes how important it is to have a place where you can belong. Just to give you a BS here, but... I mean, the span of Bud's need for home continues to cover the sense that Bud is raised not only by the Owens in the story, his parents. I mean, he's also raised by everyone else in the graveyard, his guardian, Mrs. Lupascu, Chaos Pempeos, and all of those other inhabitants, Um, which is just proven in the story explicitly when it says it takes a graveyard to raise Bud. Which it does, I mean. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, maybe that's why we see that a lot of the people in the graveyard at the beginning of the story were hesitant about taking Bod, the living boy, because it's such a big deal. Anyway, the idea of home changes subtly in the last few chapters in the story when Bod becomes certain that he wouldn't stay in the graveyard forever because he's a living human. He needs to live his life to its fullest and he needs to go through all of those things that are real, especially when it is apparent that he cannot just be around the dead forever what is nice though is that bud himself acknowledges this fact he says in the story if i come back it will be a place but it won't be home any longer meaning the graveyard the home again for bud is unspecified because he himself hasn't figured it out yet the matter for him goes beyond the fictional world, the fantastical world, where he can be whoever he wants. This leads us to another concept or question raised in the book, which is of identity. Who is Bot in the story? Now, Bot is neither dead nor alive. He is neither a ghost nor a little boy in the story. Yet... He is all of these things simultaneously, if you ask me, because the graveyard wills it so. He is merely Nobody Owens in possession of the freedom of the graveyard, and he may walk wherever he chooses, between the living and the dead. His name is significant, though, Nobody Owens. When his parents, the Owens, decided along with everyone in the graveyard his name, They wanted it to be something that tells exactly Bod's identity. He can be anyone, everyone, but more importantly, he chooses who his real self is. And now look at this, such a deep notion, such a deep question that one can go on and ask himself over and over again endlessly, but he alone is the one who's capable of answering this question. If not now, then some other time. It may take years, but he alone has the potential to define himself. It is more than just a name, and nationality. The question is deeper than that, which is why it is left unanswered in the story. Because Bod's journey hasn't finished yet. Just like ours, dear listeners, we choose who we want to be. And I think this is such a deep message, idea, call it whatever you want. That is embedded in this story. Um, basically, does it matter if Bod is a living? Does it matter if his family is murdered? Um, does it matter that he sees stuff? If yes, then what does it have to do with his identity? Well, we as readers ask such questions, not because we are looking for answers, not necessarily at least, but I think it's because we want to figure something that has more to do with us than the character in the story. Like, we want a criterion or something more than anything else to define our own identities. Now, to another note, there are other significant themes in this book, like the idea of death. We as readers see that the author has kind of represented death as something nice in the story. We get to see that the afterlife exists, which basically means that one can meet his beloved ones and people after he dies. Personally, I enjoyed and loved to see the dead and the living coming together, you know, and hanging out together in this book. This cannot happen in the real life though, obviously, which just adds up to the idea that sometimes we want to see the impossible, we want to feel the joy of experiencing something new, something magical, we want to escape the reality. Now, a lot of people might think that such a thing is useless because you're just living a dream or wake up, dude. This is such a waste of your time or the reality will hit you hard once you wake up you know, such things. But honestly, for me and for a lot of people, hopefully, we don't really mind fantasizing, romanticizing such magical stuff because we are curious creatures. We like to seek sometimes the f's and when's. We like to have fun, but more importantly, seek for positivity and change. I mean, the graveyard book, while many argue that it doesn't represent the reality because in the reality death is bad it's hard it's sad and depressing and terrifying one can't ignore like the fact that it is invincible and inevitable so when we come to see death in this book as a less terrifying phenomenon we kind of stop wasting the moment fearing it and start actually living because when death comes then it comes That alone doesn't mean the end of big matters like hopes and dreams and goodness and such things. It looks as if the author wanted to give us all other possibilities, other options, other endless opportunities to look positively towards things. In the story, Bod can't talk and see the dead. He is the only one who can walk the border between the living and the dead. His friends and family are all dead and we don't see him question what if, What if I die because he is in a conflict with himself. Who am I? And more importantly, what is the big deal when one dies? Now, as readers, we might argue that such a question is silly or unanswerable or useless. I mean, what can one gain when he is exposed to such ideas and thoughts and questions? It might spook some people too. I mean, not everyone is like Bod, such strong and confident to even set and live and settle among supernatural beings. Not everyone is like Bod, barely fears death. In reality, we might be the opposite, and it's normal. So you might ask yourself what good such a thing in this book gives me as a reader, as a human. Well, I believe that it is a matter of raising other questions and possibilities, As well as, I don't want to say underestimating the idea of death, showing that the human is more than a mortal being, but I'd rather say that the author might have wanted to show that we as humans can imagine stuff, can have fears and insecurities, but we shouldn't limit ourselves, we shouldn't make excuses that stop us from living the now. What if we die? What is so bad about being vulnerable? Why should we amplify such a phenomenon and and instill in our kids the fear of death instead of showing endless possibilities, even if they are not real? Hence, what I'm trying to say is, which a lot of people might argue with me about, is that this book's intention is not to spread fear and spookiness, rather... It is about not limiting ourselves and our lives because of the negative, heartbreaking things we go through in life. The last theme I want to talk about and cover in today's episode, dear listeners, is the idea of good versus evil versus assumptions, which are heavily elaborated in this book. Now, I dare to say that this is one of the most interesting and relatable themes in many ways. I'd say also that the inclusion of these themes, along with their demonstration and exemplification in the graveyard book, is one of the many reasons that make me recommend this book for young readers, like those older than 10 years. Psychologically and morally speaking, children are always in search for goodness versus badness, it seems that this notion in their eyes looks as if a matter a person is either black or white, good or bad. We as adults, though, know exactly that in real life, most of the times, things and people are shaded with, with gray, which basically suggests that... It is hard to have a perfect black without a spot of white, and vice versa. This also suggests that we as humans are not angels, filled with virtues and goodness all of the times, nor are we Satan, filled with vices and badness all of the times. We are simply a mix of everything. We are gray, if you want. And most of our deeds and speech embed goodness and badness. Understanding and absorbing such a notion might be even hard for adults, let alone children. The ways the Graveyard Book depicts such a notion is fascinating, though. A lot of the good characters in the story are supernatural beings that are usually looked at as evil or that are usually labeled and known for bad behaviors. For instance, we see that Bod makes friends with all sorts of creatures whom we come to love care about and root for like vampires and witches and mummies and werewolves. This alone emphasizes the idea that most of our assumptions that are built subjectively sometimes based on a couple of incidents we've gone through or based on the common sense more likely these stereotypical beliefs or ideas behind stuff are not necessarily valid. A young reader might find and figure out such a deep notion like you cannot judge people based on what another person tells you or action speaks louder than speech um, and so on via those delicate and accurate scenes depicted throughout the graveyard book. Let me give you a more solid example about these themes. In chapter 4, Bod meets Liza Hempstock. She's a ghost child and a witch who died on the brink of womanhood. In the book, she's described as older than Bud, but not a grown-up, and she looked neither friendly nor unfriendly, wary mostly. She had a face that was intelligent and not even a little bit beautiful. In the novel, Bud is warned not to go near Liza, the witch, as she's done devilish stuff, as she's bad. When Bud meets her, though, and comes to know her, the picture that everyone tried to paint inside him about the witch vanishes as she's not the kind of person everyone seems to assume yes she might have done bad things but don't we all do bad stuff sometimes then how do we judge people how could we do that based on which criterion i think that gaiman has done a really good job of making us think about all of those questions wondering what to believe in and Questioning our own judgments and beliefs when it comes to other people, more importantly, he makes us understand that while it is easier to classify one another into two categories of either bad or good, uh, the reality is always different. The reality is more complex than that. In the story, for example, Liza becomes one of Pod's best friends, if not the best one he comes to know over time, regardless of the fact that a lot of Pod's family members and other people he trusts and cares about just warn him not to go near Liza. And I think what happens to Bod in the story is so freaking relatable. I mean how many times do we come to put a first impression about someone like we judge them based on someone else's opinion about them but after we spend some time with them we come to learn how good and friendly they are or vice versa. I think we've done a lot of critical analysis throughout this discussion. Dear listeners, those of you who've been patient with me and stayed until the end of this episode, let me wrap it up briefly for you all. To make it a little bit interesting, though, I'll just answer some of the questions that might pop in your head right now. The main question that you might think about is, for whom this story is? And, well, I guess that it suits you as an adult and it suits you as a young person as well. Well, even Gaiman himself said that though the novel is intended for children, it was discovered by himself as an adult, which is why it is valued by various readers like young ones and old ones. The other important question that some of you might think about is what marks a book for children, especially this one that is classified by many as horror? Well, I read once that what marks a book for children is Not what is said, but the way it is said and to whom it is said. Generally speaking, we find that adult authors write books to children so that they present ideas, themes, and issues in meaningful ways. Sometimes those themes and ideas are complex, but what matters is taking into account the child's cognitive and emotional abilities. We don't want to expose violence, obviously, or negative and bad things to our children, in an early age, but we don't want them, when reaching a certain age, to be just weak or disaware when it comes to such matters. So yeah, the way those things are depicted is what matters. In the graveyard book, the author has enriched the story with humor. As an adult, I laughed out loud, because honestly, some of the dialogue were so funny. I have shared some of them with my younger brother who is just 10 years old and he found them so hilarious and funny as well. That is all for this episode. Hope you really enjoyed listening to me mumble non-stop about this book. I hope I encouraged you all to pick it up or re-pick it up as soon as you can because honestly it's worth your time, your love and your everything. So yeah, goodbye for now, beautiful people talking to you from North al in a Sultanate of Oman. I'm your host, Ghulud al-Hosni, and thank you very much.